Coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Keith, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I talk with the former host of Discovery Channel's show, Master of Arms, and review the Nighthawk Custom Thunder Ranch 1911 and Vortex Binoculars. I want to remind everyone that we release new content every Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, I cannot start the show without the big man across the table. My co-host, Big Keith, is in the house. Keith, what's going on? Not much, buddy. How'd you How'd you like your sandwich? It was good. Yeah. I like a nice little treat once in a while. It was yeah. very nice of you. I had a little extra time, so, uh, so I figured I'd give it a shot. So it was a uh, Tennessee hot chicken, for those of the people out there listening. And uh, the sauce was amazing. Yeah, I, I cheated a little on the sauce. There was like a, it was like a, sort of an already canned sauce, and then I just added a little so, bit of, little bit of Big Keith's. I'm not a big fan of making barbecue sauces because there's people out there that do it really well, and I'm not gonna mess, mess with that. Them. Nah, let, let them do that. <laughs> Saves a lot of time too. The chicken though, that was all me. That uh, that part was, and uh, nice little pickle juice and buttermilk. It was brine. crispy. It was good. I, it was like a double fry, like I kind of fried it first and then you know as i was making sandwiches for everybody just kind of frying them a second time nice so i i made yours just before i came up here cool put some pickles on it for you i appreciate it it was delicious <laughs> i'm glad you enjoyed it yeah so when it comes to buying ammunition you need to look for a product that is accurate reliable and if possible reasonable in price new republic ammunition from target sports usa checks all three of those boxes and comes in six popular calibers be sure to sign up for their Ammo Plus membership at TargetSportsUSA.com, which gets you 8% off all ammo purchases and makes you eligible for their truck giveaway on October 14th. So right around the corner. We're going to be there, rocking and rolling, talking to people from all over the country. Yeah, I try to drive that truck this year. <laughs> Remember last year there was the bike? The bike? There? Yeah. And CJ, was, CJ drive, she said she drove she, it around, right? Well, she had told us that, I think in confidence, and then we kind of ratted her out. <laughs> and she kind of gave us a look like, no, 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 it's not right. <laughs> All right, guys. So if you're out there and you're looking to support our show, uh, I would highly recommend that if you're not already, that you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to podcasts. Make sure that you're subscribed. And uh, if you're on Apple, go on and leave us a five-star review and a comment. And of course, we will read those on the air. And if you're listening on Spotify... Well, Keith has uh, graciously decided that he will take over throwing in some uh, questions and polls. Well, you kind of said that. I don't know that I committed to it, but uh, I'll at least did. get in there. And you kind of did. <laughs> you kind of did. And uh, anyway, you can you can add some comments in there as well. And if, uh, if they're good, we'll read them on the air. And uh, if you're not listening on Apple or Spotify, I don't know what to tell you. Switch over. We're going to get into today's interview, but before we do... Today's interview is brought to us by Ridgeline Defense. Ridgeline is one of the nation's premier training facilities and offers programs based on proven tactics and real-world experience. Their highly trained staff specializes in pistol, carbine, precision rifle, breaching, sniper operations, and low-visibility force protection. If you're looking to take your skill to the next level, you've found your new training partner. Check them out at RidgelineShooting.com. So, let's get into today's interview. Today's guest is the Chief Marketing Director of the MGS Trade School for Gunsmithing. He was also the host and gunsmithing subject matter expert for the Discovery Channel show, Master of Arms. Please welcome Zeke Stout to the show. Zeke, you there? 
Can you hear me? I got Hello. you now. How are you doing? Uh, there you go. I'm good, man. How are you? Awesome. Very well. Uh, so we, uh, we uh, it's pretty funny. We had some technical difficulties getting into this thing. It's funny because no matter how long I do this, nothing ever goes smooth. <laughs> no, it's not supposed to. If it went smooth, it'd be boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you being understanding. And uh, you, you've you been down this road many times before in different, uh, different oh, man. projects yeah. and avenues that you, you run down. So... He, he lost us just after the the chicken discussion. Yeah, I know. And I was about to call y'all out on the Nashville chicken stuff because you got to realize I'm from Tennessee. I, I, know, I, I, I know. I I made it. Uh, I made it tonight. I saw that you were from Memphis, and I was like, yeah. man, you know, I'm feeling like a Tennessee hot chicken. So, uh, well, you're in Nashville, right? Well, I'm in Memphis. Oh, you're uh, in Memphis. Yeah, I, I was in Nashville for okay. years. Uh, you know, I went to high school in Nashville. Um, was there all the way through three years ago. And uh, decided to move to Memphis after a divorce. So. Okay. <laughs> oh, I thought it was Elvis. <laughs> it was. It, well, I wanted a little PTSD with my place of living. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to tell you, so I've been to Nashville twice. Okay. Um, once for a, we were there for a wedding. And uh, that was the time I, I thought I could try to drink all the bourbon in Tennessee. It turns out there's a lot of bourbon in Tennessee. Uh, uh, yeah. It didn't go well. You ever heard well. of that guy, uh, what's his name? Jack something. Uh, Daniels. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's here. <laughs> anyway, I, I have to tell you, uh, I love Tennessee. I love Nashville. And uh, it is probably on my very high on my list of places that I will eventually retire to when I leave this hellhole we call New York. <laughs> Yeah, Nashville's getting weird. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's one of the reasons I left. Uh, it is I, a city. I, I, it's still home. You know, it's where I grew up. And, you know, I was born in Texas, and then we moved to the middle of Tennessee when I was in fifth grade and then ended up in Nashville in high school. And then I went to college just south of there, all this stuff. And it's a. It, it used to be really, really cool. You had that southern charm, but there was a little youth edge that, to it, too. But now it's just kind of gone weird. Yeah. I really <laughs> and, like the mountain towns out there. Oh, yeah. Like you go out east. And, oh, yeah. 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 Go east Tennessee. That's the place to go. I, you know, people make fun of me. They're like, why the hell did you move to Memphis? Uh, you know, because the FBI dubbed us the most dangerous city in America a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, but I love it here, man. It's, it's the people here are real. They're kind. Uh, it, it's like any other big city. You go to the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, sure. it's, it's not good. But I've heard great barbecue, though. Oh, barbecue is amazing. The, <laughs> the history, if you're a music buff at all, especially blues or rock. That's I mean, what I was going to say. The music is like, that's it. Oh, yeah. This is the birthplace of rock and roll is yeah. Memphis, Tennessee. So it's badass. You know, it, it's kind of cool. I, 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 lo I love the city of Memphis. So speaking of uh, growing up there, I read that you actually learned hunter safety and you got to shoot shotguns in your middle school phys ed class. Yeah. So, so yeah. My kind of shotgun. Was my that a weird concept at that time or just normal for a kid growing up in Tennessee? It, it's normal. Uh, and that's, that's where, you know, when people start going down the road of, you know, if we have guns everywhere, then, you know, kids are going to be scared to go to school. Man, in Tennessee, up until, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, during hunting season, every single truck in the school parking lot had a hunting rifle in the back of it. <laughs> you know, it, it, you you took hunter safety course in middle school. You you did all that stuff, and it it goes back to that old adage, you know, the 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 forbidden fruit stuff. Right. You know, if if it's there and you're taught about it, 
it's not a forbidden fruit. You're not trying right. to sneak it and get to it and all this stuff. Yep. And then, you know, let's go back to the old adage too of an armed society is a polite society. It drives me nuts when I hear people say stuff like, oh, well, if, if everybody's got guns, it's going to be like the Wild West. And people are going to be shooting. America. Well, the Wild West was fairly safe. Did they have shootouts in the street? Sure. <laughs> but that wasn't really an everyday thing. Movies aren't real. Right. <laughs> And and the reason you say that the armed society is a polite society, think about New York's a good example. Memphis is a good example. If you're out on the interstate and there have been interstate shootings here and you see somebody in a car that's got blacked out tinted windows and they cut you off, typically you think twice before you lay on your horn and th- flip the bird because you don't know that person might be armed. <laughs> right. Well, I know. And I always say, if you're armed, you yeah. think twice because God forbid Absolutely. you have to use it. Now there's Absolutely. consequences, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So now in high school, you sort of took a major hiatus from guns when basketball yeah. basically consumed you. How oh, did yeah. you get from there to being a certified firearm specialist? Where did that well, kind of come back into your life? Well, before I get to that, y'all do amazing research. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But yeah, uh, so basketball just kind of consumed my life. Uh, I, my, I had a goal of playing D one basketball. Uh, I made a D one team. I never played a game. (laughs) I, I got cut two weeks before the first game and then I hopped around on some Juco's playing and just decided you're a big boy, right? You're like six, seven, is that correct? Six, seven. Yeah. Yeah. Six, seven. So, uh, and back then I was skinny. I'm a lot bigger now than I was then. Now everybody's like, oh, you played in the NFL. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, and when I say big, I'm not talking about muscular. I'm, I'm, I'm a big boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so went into the medical field for 13 years uh, after I graduated from college and chased the dollars after being in the clinical side and went into the sales side. And just got burnout. You know, there was a job I was working where I had been up 36 hours straight because uh, I was on call and doing sales stuff and went into a buddy of mine who owned, uh, you know, car dealerships, insurance company, a multicultural mall and, and two Mexican radio stations. Uh, went into his office and we had been high school basketball teammates come full circle to basketball again. And uh, I said, hey, man, here's my resume. I'm, I'm burnt out in what I'm doing. I need to find something else to do. He's like, all right. So got a crash course in marketing from him, especially marketing to a niche market because uh, his his niche was the Hispanic community in Nashville and uh, ended up being his chief administrative officer and over those radio stations. Well, we opened us one of his stores in a rough area of uh, Clarksville, which is north of Nashville. And so I went and bought a revolver and it's not like I had just touched a gun. You know, I've been around guns, born in Texas, raised in Tennessee. You kind of get a gun when you're born. Uh, <laughs> and, and I've hunted, you know, did some target shooting, was in the archery and Boy Scouts, all this stuff. But I was not a gun guy. Uh, so when I bought this revolver for self-protection and I got my carry permit, when I get into any anything, especially if it's a serious aspect that you really have to take a lot of responsibility for, like owning a gun, um, I dive in head first. So I was listening to podcasts. I was watching videos on YouTube, doing everything I could to learn as much as I could about firearms. And while I loved a lot of the podcasts out there, 
I just felt like there was a need for a little more entertainment on the on the gun side. I got a wealth of knowledge. You know, hey, here's the new Glock 19. It's chambered in this, the ballistics. You know, all these different things that you learn about each firearm. But there was only a handful, if if maybe two, two or three, that were entertaining you from a pro-gun platform. Right. So, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine, uh, Marty Holder, slash left hand, and we're... Uh, I would talk to him for an hour and for like a week straight, we talked every day for like an hour on my drive up there about guns. And finally I was like, dude, we need to start a podcast and can we, can we cuss on your show? I don't know. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I said, we need to start a podcast. And Marty goes, what the fuck's a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) And so we bounced around some names and then we created talking lead. Um, Was that, that was way before the walking dead, correct? No, it was about the same time. Oh, it was. The Walking Dead was hot, and they had started that Talking Dead uh, TV show. So we kind of ripped it off. (laughs) Now it's a good ripoff. Good good deal. We called it Talking Lead, right? Stolen shamelessly is fine. Exactly. Absolutely. So (laughs) we took took that and, you know, start off. If you go back and listen to the first couple episodes, I had a... I had a couple weird nervous laugh quirks. And then my other thing was like, very cool. Very cool. I would say very cool. (laughs) You know, just as a filler. And it was awkward. Uh, in fact, the first episode we ever recorded was the day that Newtown happened. Oh, and wow. We're, we're, we had already booked the studio time because I asked my buddy, hey, man, can, I, can we do use the studios in these Mexican radio stations? He's like, yeah, sure. Um, so we're recording and we're like, should we do this? You know, kids just got murdered in, in the school. I mean, is this, is this wrong? Is this right? You know. Um, and we went ahead and launched it, but we did it from a perspective of, of safety and 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 really caring about the families and all this stuff. Uh, in fact, our our catchphrase at the end of every talking lead were, um, I would say, "Keep your loved ones close," and Marty would say, "Keep your firearms closer." That was a total accident, just because what had happened at Newtown. I said, "Man, you know." We'll, we'll do another one soon. You know, keep your loved ones close. And Marty goes, keep your firearms closer. And then it just stuck. stuck. And yeah. For, yeah. From then on out, that was our, our closing. Um, so we had a few followers. I think we got up to a couple hundred within like four or five episodes. Then we had this guy. I don't know. Y'all may have heard of him. Hickok 45. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he, he, we find out he lives just north of Nashville. And I'm like, well, heck, well, let me, let me reach out. Let me see if he'll come. So reached out within a day. He emailed back. Yeah, sure. If you're in Nashville, I'll come do the show. Um, first walks in. A lot of people don't realize he's six nine. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a big guy. He's a big yeah, guy, yeah. T- towered over me. I was like, holy crap. Uh, so had him on. Had a great show. Within a week of that show, we were getting hundreds of thousands of downloads. Wow. Uh, we were in 117 countries within six months of that show. And, and and I I tell people all the time if it wouldn't have been for having him on I don't know that talking lead would have ever been what talking do, do you lead still was. stay in touch with him oh yeah yeah uh, cool. John his son and I are really good friends that's cool cool yeah so we stay in touch uh, Greg Hickok <laughs> he 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 likes to every time he sees me bust my balls in some way shape or form <laughs> <laughs> he seems like that kind of guy in general he is man he, if if people don't know him, like his videos are one thing and 
you know, I, I always throw it back at him and I'm like, yeah, you know, I used to watch all your videos to help me go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, his son is a funny guy, right? He does like stand up and stuff, I think. Oh right? man, he's hilarious. Yeah. He, and he's really coming in his own with it. He, he actually moved to Chicago because they have a better stand up scene than Nashville did. That's cool. Um, and he's doing really, really well with it. Uh, he's got some hilarious gun jokes. If, if you want to hear him, just go John Hickok stand up comedy and you'll, you'll hear some really good stuff. Look up his self-defense dick joke. <laughs> self-defense. <laughs> well, I, I like, it sounds funny already. Oh, yeah. Um, you were mentioned how up until about 10 years ago, you know, you, it was not it was not uncommon to, you know, for high schoolers to bring their hunting rifle to school with them, go oh, to yeah. school, and then go out and hunt afterwards. But yeah. are, is Tennessee public schools still offering, like, this hunter safety courses and, you know, sh shotgun classes I, like that? Are they still offering those things? You know, I don't know. Um I have not heard of it. Uh, my daughter has, is now a senior in high school, and my son just started middle school last year, and they haven't talked about it. They're just over the border in Kentucky. Um, but I haven't heard if they still do it or not. I, I know they still offer it, and most kids you know are you know, hunter safety certified in Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, okay. So they may be still doing it, but I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't want to commit to that. Right. It's funny you say that real weird story. When I was in uh, Tennessee, the first time we get to the airport and then we were leaving, I said to my daughter, who's older, you know, do you have everything? Do you have your phone? Do you, yes, dad, I have everything. We get all the way to the airport. We turn in our rental car and she goes, I don't, I don't have my ticket. I, I don't have my no. ticket. I, I, don't, I don't know where I went. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, where's your stuff? She goes, I don't know. I can't find my cell phone. I can't find my, I'm like, we talked about this. I don't have a car. I can't go back to the house we were just in to, to go look for it. Like, what are we supposed yeah. to do? And this is the craziest thing. This guy who just works at the airport is like, Hey man, I heard, heard y'all lost, you know, lost something. I'm like, yeah, you know, we have a rental car. I'll drive you. I'm yep. like, are you kidding me? Like you're a complete stranger. And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I, I gotta, I gotta, I'm on my break. I'll, I'll drive you over there. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I, I need to get the kids ticket, you know? All right, man. I'm like, this guy's going to like, you know, kill me in the woods somewhere. <laughs> Drives me. I mean, night, like the nicest guy. And, Welcome uh, to the South. <laughs> yeah. I was like, holy shit, this is not New York. Got any bourbon? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and on the way there, we start talking about guns and I'm like, like our guns, like kind of like, like, you know, is it really like kind of like anyone, everyone has guns? He goes, I don't know if everyone has guns. He's like, but he's like, a lot of people have guns and we just kind of don't talk about it. It's just like, assume that you just do. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> that, my kind that, of, my yeah, kind of state, my kind of place. Yeah. Armed society is a polite society. Exactly. And, and was the ticket and cell phone in the house? It was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. But yeah. So, uh, whoever that guy was, man, he, he saved our bacon. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So when you got into the, the second amendment community and, and yeah. you were doing the podcast, I mean, really, uh, YouTube and podcasting was really like super free and loose. It was kind of like the wild west back then. Like there was no oh, yeah. nowhere near the censoring that there is now. Um, At least so, on YouTube. Yeah. So yeah. do you still think there's room to grow on all these platforms? I mean, you know, I, I'm on Instagram and obviously everyone knows Instagram is like just sucks in terms of, you know, throttling back your content. But despite all of that, do you think that there's room to grow or are we kind of just doomed? Remind me to come back to the Instagram throttling. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think there's room to grow absolutely 100% in every single aspect. You just have to pivot, right? Uh, the, a lot of people that 
I, and I've seen it happen. I've seen people come out with an amazing podcast or a great YouTube channel and, oh, I can't get monetized because of guns. I quit. And it's like, well, YouTube isn't going to hand you the money and right. the podcast platforms might not. But if you get a big enough following and you learn the business aspect of it and go out and sell yourself and sell your product, you can absolutely get sponsorships. Yep. Um, you can get companies to to throw you some money every month to to mention them in every episode, every video. Um, so it's just a matter of pivoting from the old mindset of what it used to be, that old Wild West time in, in, in YouTube. I mean, I remember, you know, Marty and I hit 12,000 YouTube uh, followers and all of a sudden YouTube was paying for our trips to all these events. And that was kind of cool. Um, now, I don't know that Marty makes a dime off of it. I don't know. We hadn't talked about it, but from talking to other people that are in the millions and how much they're making, it's, it's ridiculous how they can throttle you back because you're talking about something that is 100% legal. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's not just guns, by the way. I was just, I was, are you familiar with a guy by the name of Sean Ryan? Do you know the Sean Ryan show? That sounds familiar. But he's really, he's really big. Like he blew up. He's like one of the, like the number two podcasts, like behind Joe Rogan. In oh, a wow. very okay. short amount of time. And he just posted a thing about, he's been taught. So he recently, uh, found God. He, okay. he, he, he found God and, and he's been having some guests on that are, you know, was he lost? He's, <laughs> Sorry. He, he, no, he's, he wasn't listening. He wasn't listening. Yeah. Oh, okay. Every, every time I hear somebody go, I found God. I'm like, was he lost? <laughs> <laughs> he had some guests on that were talking about sort of their faith and whatnot. And, and that's not what his show is about. It just happened to be that couple guests. Sure. And he went on um, Instagram and he posted a thing about how, all his stuff basically got throttled back a ton once he started talking about God. Yeah. And I'm like, that's weird. But like, it's it's funny how all of these sort of similar, and not that that's necessarily goes with guns, but some very similar roads all well, seem to uh, kind of the, lead to the, that. The similarity is when these corporations take positions of social, you know, standing, right. you know, like concentrate on your financial statement, concentrate on running the business and don't make decisions based on social, you know, absolutely opinions, and, and, and everybody drives, would be fine. Yeah, and and that drives me nuts on both sides. On both sides, right? Oh, yeah, hundred you know, percent. Chick Fil A. I'm just going to use them as an example. I'm not saying they're a bad company, a good company, or whatever. Good chicken, great chicken. But when when they make these political stances and these these social stances, I'm just kind of like, just, just stay closed just, on Sunday. Just sell me chicken. Just yeah. sell me chicken. And, and stay you closed know? on Sunday if that's your thing. And, and be done yeah, with it from absolutely. there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in our world, it's easy. You know, everybody's pretty much pro-gun, right? You yeah. Know, you, we deal with corporations that are gun companies. So it's it's a given that it's like that. There's, it, the nature of our business is in and of itself a political stance. <laughs> yeah. What I, so what, I, I what, what I have found is no matter what topic we're talking about, left, right, you know, whatever side of the aisle your topic happens to be on, when you start start to force feed it down people's throat and mass yeah. is when the other side pushes back even harder and it creates this divide that we have, you know, so... Yeah, and it's one thing to be a, a a gun corporation, and you know, obviously be pro Second Amendment, but uh, you know, it doesn't have to be political, right? It's just it's, yeah. it's it's a it's a right, and and period, the end. I don't have to take a 
a political stance on it. And, you know, the same thing goes for like, you know, Bud Light, like yeah. make good beer, make beer that people drink. Like don't take a, right. a political side and, and you won't, you know, you probably won't have any as much issues, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and that's one thing in our, in our industry that, you know, I lean mostly right. Yeah. There are some stances that I take that some people in our world would think are more left-leaning. Sure. Um, but for the most part, I'm I'm conservative with some liberal thoughts on other things. We, like you just said, it's a right. It, it is something that is an inherent right. Um, the God-given side, because a lot of people go, it's our God-given right. Well, you know, the Constitution is a, is a person given. Yeah. The God-given right is the right to defend yourself. <clears throat> right. And that's where I think we fail as a community is we focus on the Second Amendment being the right to defend yourself. It is not. The Second Amendment is what I used to use Trump. Trump you, Trump was the greatest thing to convert anti-gun people. <clears throat> because every time I'd hear, well, I'm not anti-gun, but I don't see why anybody needs an AR or AK. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to just assume by that statement that you don't like Donald Trump. Oh, my God, he's Nazi. He's the second coming of Hitler. He's a fascist, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's suspend disbelief. Let's just say you're right. Do you want Hitler taking everybody's guns? And you see them just <laughs> freeze. And that light bulb goes off. I was like, see, that's what the problem is. We argue that the Second Amendment is about defending ourselves from muggers or somebody breaking into our house or sport shooting or hunting. Or The Second Amendment is to prevent what you just said from coming true. And then they're like, and then the next thing's always like, oh, you can't fight armies with the ARAK. Do you know about Afghanistan right. and the Mosin yeah. Nagant? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you know about how America won its independence? I mean, right. exactly. <laughs> Vietnam comes I saw, to mind. Yeah, right. I mean, we were outgunned, out, out militia. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, the early revolutionists were fighting barefoot. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 You know? I mean, they just people just don't. I don't know. They just and, they suspend and, their reality, like you said. I think. I guess. Oh yeah, and and everybody doesn't think that. You know, you people are, people think that it's this. I don't know the the that we're going to take on the government and they're going to fly in with F sixteens and nukes and kill the citizens. Um, do you realize? Okay, that's a horrible thing to happen. But let's say it does happen, right? Let's say the government kills eight million people in the United States because we own guns. Do you really think the people are going to follow that government after that? There's going to yeah. be some uprisings of family members and friends and everything else. It is not a good situation I, for the government to kill its citizens. And I like to I, I like to ask I like to ask the question when when I have those discussions with people. Don't forget there are Americans on the end of that button, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is, and and they have sworn to not you know fight uh, other Americans. So yep. yes, there might be a few that do it. But I don't. I think the vast majority of the three or four million, you know, military personnel we Absolutely. have, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know that how many of them would actually, you know, tur yeah. turn a gun on on each other. Yeah, yeah. We used to we used to interview cops and officers in the military and military people, you know, enlisted, and we would always ask them if the government sends you an edict and you get an order to go start taking guns and and taking it, would you do it? There wasn't a single person that said yes, because they all were like, what am I supposed to go to cousin Billy and say, Hey, I need all your guns. Yeah. And if you don't give them to me, I'm going to shoot you in the face. 
Yeah, it's a crazy that's, concept. That's not reality. It's crazy concept. It's, it's not going to happen. You wear you wear quite a few hats with uh, MGS Trade School, and yes. um, I was obviously kind of looking into this when we were getting ready. And uh, it's a great concept, and you know the ability to learn gunsmithing from your home is very very cool. Uh, n- not taking your line about when I needed to fill space. Very cool. Um, <laughs> can, can you tell our listeners a little about, uh, that process and, yeah. and what, what, what they can expect if they enroll? Yeah. So I, I originally got into the education space after talking lead. Uh, I went to work for what is now my biggest competitor <laughs> and, uh, worked for them for four years and, and grew that school and really kind of fell in love with the education side of the gun industry. And after I did the the Discovery Channel show, I came back to that space and I missed it. You know, I have a passion for it. I, I knew I wanted to be back in the, the gun industry, um, but I, I didn't realize how much I wanted to be in the education side. And I knew that I could build a better mousetrap, for lack of a better term. There was stuff that I always wanted to do at the other place that now that I have equity in the in the school, I I can do some decision making. I can steer the direction of what's going on. Um, and one of those ways is is doing more hands-on projects. So that's the biggest thing is we send out projects to the students. They they finish them, they send them back to us and we grade them. <clears throat> and that's the greatest concept ever. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really simple. I mean, because I kept thinking, okay, Harvard is teaching medical classes online. Right. Why can I not teach gunsmithing online? Yes, I get it. I can't teach how to use a lathe or a CNC machine. There's too much liability. You know, you, if I'm not standing there with you and you get your hair caught in a lathe and it rips your scalp off, oops, uh, I'm now liable because I was trying to teach this correspondence wise. But there are a lot, the, the majority of the concepts you can get for gunsmithing, you can teach distance learning format. And one of the first things you get when we, when you enroll, your first project is refinishing an old M1 Grand stock. Um, oh, cool. We send it out to you all beat up and scratched. You mm. got to refinish it and stain it and everything like that. So the woodworking's there, the metalworking's there. You, you, bu- you make your own hand tools in one of the projects. Um, there's just a lot of really cool hands-on projects that we can fit into this program. And then at the end, uh, you get to choose from a Lone Wolf Striker Fire pistol, a uh, 1911 by Alpha Foxtrot, a Watchtower Firearms, uh, formerly F1 uh, AR-15, or a Traditions muzzle loader like the old school American long rifle. Talking about the American Revolution. And, and that's at the end of the basics or that's at... That's at the end of Advanced 2. Okay, Advanced so, 2. Got it. Yeah. yeah. I want to really give you props for being involved in this and for what MGS Trade School is doing, and I'm going to tell you why. Years ago, I had thought, you know, maybe gunsmithing would be something that I would be interested in. Hmm. Uh, looking back on it, I don't know that it would have actually been something I would have followed through and actually made a career out of, but sure. this we're talking, I'm an adult, I have kids, I have a family, I have bills. And I thought this, and I'm like, you know, maybe I could go back to school at night or whatever. And I live in New York, not exactly gun country, and I couldn't find anywhere. There was like a school in like Oregon. There was like a school in like North Carolina, I want to say. Like all these school, like colleges, for lack of a better term, that were for gunsmithing would have required me to like uproot my life. Like, you know, it just was an impossibility. And 
this really wasn't an option. The online learning wasn't there yet, not at this level. And so I really think that this is very crucial, very important because gunsmithing is one of those things that it could easily die out. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, if, it, if it's not something that we have people a- any going of these into, trades that are hands on like this. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and so the fact that you open it up to more people and it's not regionally based is a really, really good thing. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, yeah. it's one of those things where gunsmithing is important. You know, sure. Once you get into it and you really become a quote unquote gun guy, you learn how to build an AR and, you know, different pistols and different things. Um, but there's still stuff that you, you don't know about and you have to sometimes take it to a gunsmith and let's take the people that are gun people out of the equation. And let's just take the people that go hunting or sport shoot and they really don't even clean their guns. <laughs> you know, gunsmiths can make a good living just cleaning people's guns. And, and a lot of people don't realize that. Um, and then the other thing is, is if you go around wherever you live, uh, you know, I know here in Memphis, there's maybe on one hand, I could count how many gunsmiths I would, I would trust my stuff with. Uh, I haven't been here long enough to really dig and go to enough shops to find out. But that means as a career field, it's wide open too. Uh, and it's important. We've got 15 million new gun owners in America. That's a lot of guns mm-hmm. floating around with people that are new to it. sure you know uh that's a lot of work for somebody that goes into gunsmithing um now the biggest thing that i have to say because we're an accredited school is i can't tell you you're going to be a good gunsmith because you go to our school i know doctors that went to harvard medical school and they are shitty doctors (laughs) (laughs) it all depends on how you apply the knowledge that we give you we're going to give you all the knowledge you need to get going um it's up to you on how you apply it and your work ethic and finding niches or niches. Wow. Not Nietzsche. <laughs> it's finding <laughs> niches that can, can set you apart. Uh, you know, I know gunsmiths that make a killing because they got good at hydro dipping. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, and, and all of a sudden the local S- motorcycle club, Oh yeah. Yeah. Local Shackering. motorcycle club is like, Hey, I want to get my helmets hydro dipped. Oh, well, I want to get my tanks hydro dipped. And the right. next thing you know, they're hydro dipping football helmets. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, they make, make a good living. Same thing. Like you just said, the Cerakoting, uh, there's some companies out there that started off as gunsmiths, got really good at Cerakoting and that's all they do anymore. Right. Uh, is just Cerakoting. It's definitely one of those things that like we had Kurt the gunsmith on and, you know, if someone like him, like, I mean, his checkering work is really, really good. And, and and he has other skill sets as well, but there are definitely people in the gunsmithing world that they really focus on one area of gunsmithing. And I'm sure they can do a lot of other things, but they're known for that particular thing. And yeah. I mean, I think they have a guy who was around here, um, that did like the moon clips. Like he was just known for doing moon clips on mm-hmm. revolvers. Like that was like his thing, you know? Mm, yeah. So, and then I, I didn't want to miss out the opportunity for you to highlight a little bit about the monthly student spotlights because I got stuck on those. I, I was on your website and I, I probably yeah. read like three or four months of them. So uh, you, I think that's something that you'd really do a good job in. I wanted to give you a little bit of opportunity to, to highlight that. Yeah, that's one thing that with this school, and and I'm going to jinx myself right now. I'm going to knock on some wood real quick. <laughs> I have yet to have a graduate or see a graduate give a negative review. 
everywhere I've ever worked, there's been positive and negative. That's anything. You know, you're always going to have people that are going to bitch and moan. Um, we do see people go on our Facebook group or in the student Facebook group and they'll, they'll complain about, you know, a project, but we usually we're on it pretty quick. You know, if, if like the soldering, you, you wouldn't expect it, but soldering two pieces of metal together may be one of the toughest projects we have. <laughs> um, we get so many people reaching out, Hey, I need more solder. I can't get this right. I can't do it. And then they'll go on Facebook and just, Oh, this sucks. I'm a, but the cool thing is a lot of the students will help each other out. That's cool. Yeah. But we, we, we see so many positive uh, reviews about it. Not just, I just graduated last week and that was a great program. Thanks. I'm talking like people who come back three years later. Hey, I graduated the program. I started my own shop or I went to work at XYZ Guns and I'm loving it. I, I, I can't thank you enough. And that makes me happy. You know, that's what I'm in this for. I want to see people do well with the knowledge that we give. Do I want to be a successful businessman? Sure. But that's not my motivation for it. My motivation is those reviews, those those emails, the the guys that, you know, I, I, I don't talk about it a lot, but I, I spent a year in the air guard and I herniated a disc. Uh, so I didn't get to do the stuff I wanted to do in the military. And when I get an email from some military guy or, or a veteran, that's like, I never thought I'd go to school. Uh, I took your course and now I'm working on my master's or my doctorate. Dude, <laughs> you, it's about as close as you can get me to just bawling like a baby and, and, <laughs> and happiness. Uh, that's just cool. because I can make a difference in some of these guys' life that I wanted to serve with, but my, my back gave out, you know? So it, it's, it's an interesting interesting world where we get so many positive reviews because i'm just waiting for that one to drop <laughs> yeah yeah but i haven't seen it yet from a graduate uh I've, I've seen students that are actively in it bitch and moan but i've not seen a graduate saying that was horrible i didn't learn crap uh i've been working for a gunsmith uh, and that's another thing we have gunsmiths that take our course just to get the certification Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not really to be a gunsmith. You don't have to be certified. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have anything. That's why we're not degree granting. I, I don't want to go down that road of offering a degree because you don't have to have a degree to be a gunsmith. Right. Sure. Uh, we want to teach you the knowledge and the trades to start your career and make it affordable. But um, there's not a certificate, a, a certifying body for gunsmiths, but we do give a certificate when you graduate our course. And a lot of the gunsmiths want to do that. Well, we've had guys that have been practicing gunsmiths for 10, 15 years, take our course and be like, wow, I learned stuff that I didn't think I was going to learn. I thought I'd just ace this course and I actually had to focus on some stuff. Um, yeah. So that's been cool too. Very cool. Well, as I'm sitting here talking to you and hearing about, you know, all the kind of from the start all the way up to what you're doing now, you've definitely had a, very interesting and storied experience in the Second Amendment community. But in 2018, uh, from the way I understand it, you got a random message on LinkedIn that asked if you wanted to audition for a weapons building TV show, which, of course, we know turned out to be Master of Arms. That just yeah. seems so unbelievable <laughs> to me. Uh, Dude, it, I almost missed it. It was a month and a half after they sent that message because I just never checked LinkedIn. Yeah. Oh, I check LinkedIn every day now. <laughs> <laughs> now you do. That's funny. But I, I saw this message and they're like, hey, we're going to do a competition show similar to Forged and Fire, but we're going to have guns and archery too. Uh, would you like to audition to be the gun judge? 
my mind, I'm like, this isn't going to happen. You know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, sure. I'll audition. So when I auditioned, I think part of me getting it was I just didn't give a crap because I didn't think it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So I was goofy. I was cracking jokes. They were loving it. And then they find out after I did that audition, they said I was going to be that judge. Then they found out I had, you know, radio experience and podcast and YouTube. And they're like, well, why don't you audition to be the host? And I was like, all right. So I had to do another audition. Um, this time I had to have random weapons around me and talk about them and almost walk and talk with them. Uh, eight months later, we're filming up in Pennsylvania. That's crazy. <laughs> well, I was watching an episode where you guys were testing out battle axes and your job was to take the axes and, you know, basically crush them into a giant log and metal. And I'm like, did they just look and go, you're the biggest guy in the room. It's your job. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, it was, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it, you, it was, it was weird because that was the weirdest dynamic of, of doing a TV show like that is I auditioned as me. I'm a goofball. If y'all ever hang out with me, I'm just trying to make everybody laugh and have fun. And, and that's what the people who made the decision on giving me the gig based it off of. Well, then the executive showed up. <laughs> Uh-oh. You know, you're big and you're mean and you have tattoos and you got a beard. You have to be the mean bossy. I'm like, but that's not me. <laughs> that's not what I auditioned as. That's not who I am. People that know me are going to watch this and go, what the hell's wrong with you? Right. right. <laughs> and if you go back and you watch the first two episodes, those opening scenes when I'm like, you will have six hours to complete your task. And I'm very like serious. There's no contestants in front of me. We re-recorded those. <laughs> oh, wow. We re-filmed them because I was cracking jokes to the point where I had some of the cameramen buckling over in laughter. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was fun. We had fun with it, but but the execs wanted me to be this big, burly, mean guy, uh, which led to me testing some really cool shit. But. <laughs> Goddamn suits. So, yeah, exactly. so, so speaking of that, do you have any funny, like a particular funny story, something that happened or something with a guest or any, anything that really sticks out to you? There's some really good ones I can tell you offline. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. To, to protect to protect the people in the story. No worries. Um, one of the uh, bayonets that I had to test, it was Mikey Paez who works, who used to work for Sons of Liberty Gunworks. Now he's with Cobalt Kinetics. And uh, I knew who he was. And I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm like, oh, but crap, he's a gunsmith. And his first thing he's got to make is a bayonet. He's not a blacksmith. Right. And I had found out that he had taken like a one-day blacksmithing course before he came to this show. <laughs> I'm like, I hope he does well. Well, dude, his bayonet was the best. And he knew who I was because he was a graduate of my former school that I used to work at. Okay. You like how I'm not mentioning their name? Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I know who they are, but I'm not oh, saying yeah. it either. Yeah. We're not going to mention them. Um, he was a graduate of them. So he knew who I was. So we kind of had this like link. We kept looking at each other like, yeah, we know, we know. And uh, the other two guys. Were he knew the fix was in. Oh, yeah. The other two guys were blacksmiths. So I'm like, man, they're going to smoke him. Well, I get, we get the bayonets. And it, it wasn't. So the the time, the amount of time they had to complete their task was legit. There was no breaks. There was no pauses because in TV with game shows, when you're giving away real money, there are a lot of laws you have to follow. Uh-huh. And it all stems from that. I don't know if y'all remember the movie Quiz Show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It all stems from that debacle where people were rigging these game shows. Right. Um, so there's a lot of legal things, legal hoops you got to jump through. So 
when I say you've got six hours to complete it, they legit had a stop clock of six hours. We got to take breaks, <laughs> but they didn't. They had to keep going. So there was a big break once they completed that six hours. Um, so then we'd have a break and we'd look at the, what they made and we kind of look and judge aesthetically and stuff before we tried to destroy them. So we had some to judge the aesthetics on. Then we'd go set up the the scene for me testing it. And I'm like, dude, his bayonet is badass. It's solid. It's pointy as hell. And the crazy thing was, is his first bayonet broke in during one oh. of the heat treatments. So he did all this in like two hours where everybody else did took the full six hours. He, he scrambled and made this bayonet in like two hours. Well, the other guys weren't even piercing the barrel that I was ramming this in. One guy was pretty smooth. He was pretty much going to go through, but it was between Mikey and this other guy. And I jammed it into that 50 gallon drum and I heard ting and his connection (laughs) was like, it just broke. The bayonet was flawless. It went in like butter, right? but the connection broke. And if anything broke, unless the other guys broke, I mean, it was done. Yeah. And I turned around and I looked at him and he just had this smirk like, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you put that much muscle behind it? Yeah. And uh, so that was fun. Um, Why did they only make one season? I, I had kind of, I read a couple articles that, that referenced the season two, but it never aired, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we should have. We had the ratings. Uh Suits just I, I, made the decision. I honestly, I, I don't know. Uh, they said they wanted to go back to more nature-based programming. Uh, I honestly think well, it, was, it was because we were firearms. Yeah. yeah. I, I well, I, that was my thought. I was, I was, that was going to be one of the questions that I, I asked if you thought that was a reason because it was, what, 2018? So, yep. you know, it's yep. certainly was as divisive as a, of a topic as it is today. I've and, always thought of them oh, as yeah. being somewhat open-minded to that kind of stuff, though. You know, they've certainly done a few shows that have to do with mm. weapons. And, yeah. But think about those shows. Yeah. What do yeah. they make the gun people look like? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I love Joe to death, who, who runs Atlas Defense, who was part of the Sons of Gun show. Uh, I love Charlie. He was an amazing guy. But because of a couple of bad apples in that show that were doing really, really bad things, which yep. we're not going to rehash that. Everybody knows what happened. Um, they they kind of just ran off into the sunset and canceled the show and left Joe and Charlie with this company that was associated with that. So they yeah. had the rebrand and everything. Um, and it, it just felt like they wanted the gun people to be crazy. Uh, they wanted to make us out. Uh, and And... At no time did anybody say that. It just right. kind of felt like it's the vibe, right? You know, we at the beginning they would ask, you know, hey, what kind of drama is going to happen with these these craftsmen? And I'm like, probably none, <laughs> right? And, and they're like, no, no, surely they'll get pissed off at the other. I was like, no. What you're going to see is if one of these two guys starts slacking and 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 hurting and confused, the other guys are going to probably pick him up and, and help right. him. Yeah, I'm like that's what our community is. That's it's a brotherhood. It's 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 something special that you're going to see on the show, and the producers would see it, and they loved it, and they started seeing that. It's just, it was a very politically heated time. Yeah, but they wouldn't give the people who were the experts. I'm a certified firearms uh, expert from the, the GunLearn.com and the IFSA, and they wouldn't even come to me. To say, what do you think? Right. And what I would have said is, 
uh, you really don't have to worry anything because we're doing flintlock muzzleloaders. Nobody's going to rob a bank with that, much less a <laughs> yeah, mass shooting. Really. Yeah. You know, you know, so you have nothing to worry about. Um, yeah. But I, I just think they got, I, they honestly, I think they got scared. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, and let me cover my ass and clarify that is just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I have no statements from anyone in that organization to, yep. to back yep. that up. Understood. Um, so, yeah. So I want to get you to run and gun, but before we do, I uh, want you to give everybody all the sites and the uh, social media and the places they can find you at. Um, so MGS is modern or MGS trade school on all the social medias. Uh, just all one word. Uh, MGS.edu is the website. And, uh, for me, everything's Zeke underscore stout, Z E K E underscore S T O U T. Uh, if you have any questions, I mean, send me a message on Instagram, Facebook, anything I'll answer it. Actually not on my public figure page on Facebook. Cause I never look at that thing. Um, <laughs> but like Instagram is probably the easiest way. If you want to reach out and talk to me there, it's, it's pretty easy just to Zeke underscore stout, but yeah, MGS, if you're interested in doing it, just go to mgs.edu and click request more info or enroll now. Cool. So I want to get to running gun, but before we do, I want to talk about our friends over at fourpatriots.com. Four Patriots provides long lasting and delicious food options that are specifically designed to provide you and your loved ones with the sustenance you need when you need it most. Keith and I have put their food through the taste testing that we did personally, and we were really super impressed. It's delicious, nutritious, and it comes in at a really great value. Head over to fourpatriots.com and make sure that when the time comes, your family is prepared for the worst. Be sure to get 10% off anything you order with our discount code, GUNEXPERIMENT10. And with that said, it's time to run and gun. So as I told you earlier, Zeke, this is 10 questions, rapid fire. First thing that comes to your mind, and Keith will time it. You know, this is going to be weird, right? <laughs> Only if you make it weird. That's right. It's a, it's exactly. Up to, it's up to you. <laughs> Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Uh, Mosin Nagant. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Uh, M1A, or M, uh, the Barrett. <laughs> if you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? Uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Favorite caliber? Nine millimeter. Favorite hobby, not gun related? Basketball. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flight. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Rifle. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse or loved one? Santa Claus. It's time for Top Gear. Let us test it before you invest it. Not bad time. <laughs> Not a bad time. But it was not the winning time. What do we got, Keith? It was not the winning time, but it was top 10. Uh, 43 seconds, 0.8. And uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt is a very popular answer. It is, yeah. Is yeah. it really? Yeah, okay. we got, I got to, I got to, I don't, I've heard that at least four times. I mean, Teddy's fucking Rough awesome. Riders, man. Yeah. yeah he's fucking yeah. awesome. Before DMX the, did the, it. The M107A1 screwed that. Me. I was like, that the was M one M7, that you got... oh, ah, Barrett. <laughs> yeah, that one got you. Coming. You could have just said Glock 19 and no one would have no cared. Yeah, no one would care. No one cares. Yeah, but I don't want to lie. Nah, all right, all right. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. So where is he? Do you have a rank? Yeah, uh, let me see. I'll, he's just behind uh, uh, Jim Goon's life. 
He is number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Number eight. Yeah, so you're top eight. ten. I'll take it. Top I'll 10. take yeah. it. Who's number one? Uh, a buddy of ours, Frank. Uh, he's okay. a, he's an FFL and uh, just overall kind of good guy that uh, that listens to the show. He's come on the show a few times and nice. You know, I I, I don't I don't think we asterisked it, but he's obviously a listener. But he came in ready to go. He, the, the two people who have really like is Tony still number two? No. Tony yeah. has Tony? he's in top ten. Yeah. Yeah. Beat he, Tony? Yeah, Please you beat Tony. Tony. Yeah, he's number yes. ten. He is number ten. <laughs> Tony was the running gun champ for like a long time. Yeah. 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 I'm texting him right now. Yeah, you do that. <laughs> and and by the way, he's he still like refers to himself. I think he's like, a champ. Yeah, he, he he won't let it go. <laughs> he was the former champ, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, so let's get into this thing. So Top Gear is brought to you by Flatline Fiber Co. Flatline makes everything from slings to dump pouches to brand their brand new IFAC pouch. We recently did a thorough review of their IFAC and we were super, super impressed. Also one of the best names ever in the pimp. <laughs> it carries everything you need in a small and manageable size. And I highly recommend checking out all of their handmade products at flatlinefiberco.com. But to get an even better deal, make sure you use our discount code GUNEXPERIMENT10 at checkout to get 10% off. So on this episode of Top Gear, we are gonna review the Nighthawk Custom Thunder Ranch Edition that Keith bought. And uh, I'm going to review the Vortex Diamondback 10 by 42 binoculars. And Zeke, you said you had something or or no? I, had a, I, had, I have one thing that is an innovation and then one thing that I realized today how much I love it. Okay. So, Keith, why don't you start? Sure. Uh, I, I'll be happy to start. So, uh, I didn't realize that we really haven't done a formal v- review. I've obviously, uh, I've had this... Uh, this 1911, this Nighthawk Thunder Ranch since uh, around Thanksgiving time uh, last year. And uh, I've got close to 2,000 rounds through it now. Um, and uh, it's, of course, the Lord's Caliber, 45 ACP. <laughs> um, it's uh, the cost on it, straight out the box, 3800 bucks. So big, big hit to the gut. Um I uh, chose to have the iOS system on it, which was uh, $500 with uh, with a plate for an RMR. So it's $350 for just the cut, and then you pay for each additional plate that you want on top of that. Apple's um, working with Nighthawk? <laughs> That's funny. No interchangeable yeah, optic system. Yeah, oh, okay. I, it, that is good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, that's that's the first time I made that connection after you said. Thank you. <laughs> There are tons of upgra- other upgrades available. So um, I didn't have this custom made for me. Uh, I was at the right place at the right time. Actually, we were talking about Frank earlier. I was with Frank and his dad. We were doing a little pheasant hunting, some fun things. And um, uh, Frank uh, showed me his phone and showed a picture of this beautiful Nighthawk uh, Thunder Ranch and said, hey, uh, I just got told this is done. Do you, do you want it? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> So uh, uh, it, it it showed up, and then I decided uh, to send it back for the uh, for the interchangeable optic system, and then I waited for a baby uh, <laughs> before I got it back. It was forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I put a uh, Trigicon RMR on it only solely because the amount of money that I spent on the gun, I just felt like I wanted the best. Not that Holosun is not great. It was a long debate. It was a long debate. But I just, I just, I wanted a Trigicon on there. So we have that. Um, 
for eight hundred for eight hundred bucks, you can get the new Trigicon. Yeah, well, that's true. And and <laughs> and if it was thermal, the thermal imaging one at the time, maybe I might have done that one. But um, I, the iOS system is awesome. <laughs> the ability to be able to switch between iron sights and a red dot and not have to adjust zero in any way, shape, or form. And I've tested it. It is zero. It's an impress. It's very impressive. It's a really cool system, and it's like. I mean, Mike, it's less than a minute. Yeah. You know, you have you you have these switched out in no time at all. Um, the, really good for competition versus like carrying. Like if you're going to do a competition where it's on. Yeah, it. so I shot a steel challenge match with it, and I shot in two different divisions, one open and one iron sights. And it was like just a one, two, three switch. No yeah. big deal. Um, the other, the the iron sights are um, a Heine black, blacked out rear sight, and then the front sight is a 14 carat gold bead, which is just really cool. Um, and surprisingly you can pick that up in low light pretty easy. Um, I really haven't had any issues with any of that. Um, I really liked the, I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy it, but the reason why I picked this particular model was because of the smoke uh, nitride finish. Um, it just felt like that is, was a much better option when I had the plans of running this gun uh, I had no intentions of this thing being a safe queen, and it is not a safe queen. I mean, I carry this thing a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, having that type of finish really kind of takes the pressure off of, like, bumping into something or, you know, dropping a mag or whatever the case may be. You know, it just it just kind of takes a little bit of that pressure off. Um, like, <laughs> the trigger feel is unparalleled compared to any pistol I've ever shot. Um, it's at three and a half to 3.75 pounds and it is just crisp, clean. You can, I mean, there is a break point, but it's not like a Glock or not like my SIG or anything like that. You know, it's just, it's, it's completely different. And I really feel that that's a big part of what makes it as accurate as it is, uh, aside from the five inch barrel, it's, it's government length. Um, and for its size, I feel it's a pretty well-balanced all-around gun. Um, like I said, uh, I've, ha I've got almost 2000 rounds through it and, um, Mike, I mean, you've shot it, you've seen me shoot it. It is accurate. Very much so. Um, it's, it's uh, amazing. Especially if you're shooting one-handed. For me, oddly, I shoot, I, I mean, I have shot it's amazing so with that gun one so hand. Weird. I, yeah, it is weird. I don't, I, I don't get it, but um, I shoot pretty well with two hands too. But, you do, but better one-handed. But better one-handed for some reason, at least in that, that night, at least yeah. for that one time we did it. But um, the two picking things, three picking things that I, I can pick at it. The first one is most likely user error. I've had a couple feed issues. Um. One one time, I'm I'm pretty sure I had bought some aftermarket Wilson Combat mags, ten rounders for competition, and I'm pretty sure one of them, one of the mags needed some adjusting. I cleaned all the mags, and I didn't have an issue after that. So, and then in a couple training scenarios with you, Mike, that we've been with OFT, I had some feed problems, and I'm pretty confident that it's just the way my hands sort of wrap around, and I think I. Uh, my my one of my 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 um, support hand impedes with the slide a little bit, and it mm -hmm. just kind of slows it down just enough where I get a feed a, a, a ramp issue. Um, but I would not, I would in no way put that on the gun. I'm pretty confident it's me. 
Um, the other two things, while the linen micarta grips are practical for running, I just they could be nicer. Not sexy enough. They're not sexy enough, but that's that's an easy change. That's an though. easy change, and again, very practical if you're going to run the gun all the time. Right. Um, Probably good for if it's in your EDC, which it is. It is, yeah. For I like, I do enjoy carrying it. Um, and then the last thing is, you know, you have to be prepared if you're going to buy something like this. You've got to be prepared to keep up with the maintenance. Um, you know, in a good example of that is like I'm almost due for a recoil spring. You know, they the you. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, if you buy a standard, the standard recoil springs two thousand rounds. They recommend, and that's according to Nighthawk's manual. Um, they recommend replacing it. Nighthawk does offer an Everlast recoil system for fifty bucks, which is upgraded recoil springs and stuff, and they claim it lasts fifteen thousand rounds. Few people I've talked to have said it's just not really necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, even Frank has said that he's gone over the two thousand rounds. Um, I let you know he's got way more experience with nineteen elevens than I do, so I let him kind of you know just rack mine a few times and see what he thought. And he said, I'm I'm still good on the recoil spring. So I I have one just you know when it's time to be done. But the type of maintenance that you know, I mean, it's a high end gun, so yeah. you know you have to be prepared for. Th- it, it's like owning a a Porsche. Yep. You know, you're going to, so, you're going to have more maintenance. Uh, but overall, uh, you know, the fact that it's partnered with Clint Smith and having him on the show. Yeah, that was cool. Just and being, you did have it in, in time. I had it in time to, to talk about it with him. And uh, just, I don't know. I, I, I've wanted a Nighthawk since we had them on the show. And uh, to finally have one, it's uh, definitely a, a dream come true. And uh, being at the right place at the right time is, is the best part about it. Um, and if my wife is listening, I didn't pay as much as I said I paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> you got a discount. <laughs> I traded oh, a few guns. <laughs> got to learn the trick. Having a podcast in the gun industry. Oh, I got it for free, honey. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. I, yeah, I know how much you wanted it, and I'm, I'm happy that you got the chance to review it on the show. Yeah, you know, I appreciate. It. I, I mean, honestly, you know, no, no joking aside. If uh, you hadn't dragged me on this show all those years ago, I, I, I don't think I would ever have one. You know, I honestly, your wife loves me. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, you know, really got into that type of, you know, firearm from, from being on this show. So speaking of this show, I just want to say congrats because I saw that article where y'all were in like the top 10. Oh, uh, thank you. On, I can't, what was it? Uh, Bearing arms? It was bearing arms. Yeah. Bearing arms. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Congrats on that. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, we are obviously nearing the end of August, which means soon enough, hunting season will be here. Yes, sir. And uh, before I get into my product. We can do some turkey hunting this year. I, I got a turkey tag. I want to do some turkey hunting. I So I don't want to divert too much here, but uh, the turkey, I used to hunt here for turkey and they kind of went away. Like, I don't know where they went. They're just- they, They're they, in our neighborhood all the time. I haven't seen them. I mean, I've seen like <laughs> one or two, but like I used to see flocks of them. I haven't seen them. Right, well, I know where the turkey are. All we're, right. You, you Can find you hunt turkey. in your neighborhood in New York? <laughs> uh, there are- There's spots. There, there are spots. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, I heard that you got into deer hunting and you missed your first buck and then didn't see another, get another shot at a buck for 20 years. Is that true? And and still have yet to. So <laughs> wow! I, I the very first time I went deer hunting, I saw a massive buck. I missed. Uh, I was impatient. It was my fault. Uh, I I had waited 
or I, I was, I saw the buck. He was a good 200 plus yards away. And the guy I was with was like, yeah, you probably could, but wait, just wait a little while. They're going to make their way up here. And it had been five minutes and they had moved like five feet. Well, if I would have waited an hour, it'd been really close, (laughs) (laughs) but I was impatient. I wanted to get the buck. Um, I have hunted many, many times since I've only harvested doe. I haven't even seen another buck. Uh, Wow. Do y'all know who 22 Plinkster is? Yeah. So he and I were high school basketball rivals. Um, and everything we do is competitive and he loves busting my balls about it. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine. Uh, but, but in a helpful way too, he's had me out to his property. Uh, I think I've hunted out there three or four times. And that was the next time after 20 something years, I saw a buck, <laughs> but here's the problem. It was bow season. <laughs> and it came right up. I, I was in a deer stand, and I don't know if anybody's listening has ever hunted during bow season, but you can't shoot a bow through branches like you right. can a gun. Yeah, it's got to be a clean uh, shot. Yeah, you got to have a clean shot through a shooting lane. This daggum buck <laughs> walks up right to the shooting lane and just starts eating right before his head even comes out in the shooting lane. I'm like, okay. I waited for an hour. I'm texting Plinkster going, hey, man, there's one right here. He's like, I told you you get one. I told you you get one. I'm like, all right. So I'm real quiet. Finally, he lifts his head up like he's going to walk into the shooting lane. So I draw back. And everybody that I tell this to, they're like, you didn't hold it for that long. I held that bow back for a good two and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Which feels like forever. For, it felt like it was an hour. Yeah. Um. But my shoulders started hurting and shaking, and the buck never walked out. He just looked around and sniffed around, went back to eating. So I, I released the bow, um, and I'm just waiting. I'm like, come on. And then finally, he's like, he was kind of up to the opposite side behind me a few hundred yards. And so he started blowing his call. And the buck lifted up. And I'm like, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. So I drew back again, and he called again, and the buck kind of like, blue a little bit. It was like <laughs> turned around and walked the other way. <laughs> said that, that wasn't my kind of girl. So, <laughs> and I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. So yeah, I, I have yet, I have had people hear this story and invite me to their 2000 acre farm that is growing deer. That's the whole reason they have this farm is to grow big bucks. And I didn't even see one. <laughs> oh man. Oh, well, you're in good company. So I, I hunted with my dad for years and it's a long story, but I was never very successful as a teenager, as a young man. And then I kind of got out of hunting for a bit. And when I finally took it back up, kind of the same same success rate, but I actually did see a buck and I took a shot and I got, I hit it and I couldn't, I couldn't find it. It, it, it crawled oh, through no. all, it was, it, it broke my heart to be quite honest. And it shook me up a little bit. Like I hated wounding an animal, you know, and not getting yeah. it. But, you know, I obviously moved on and then I found some new hunting property that Uh is just like I have the best hunting spot in the world. I never don't see a deer ever. If I go hunting, I see deer and I've I've had nothing but success of getting does. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yep. and um, so i'm with you but la- i think i have some kind of stank on me <laughs> well i was gonna say think do you shower before you go or something Dude, like, i have <laughs> gone to the point well that that 2000 acre par- farm i went to i only showered with the uh like the scent away stuff yep for th- for a week 
I didn't use anything like <laughs> you that. Prepared. So for, yeah, for so for like a week, I only showered with the scent off. Then uh, I buried my clothes under the tree stand I was gonna hunt in. <laughs> I went out to the stand in like eighteen degree. I think you got bad dark. juju, man. Yeah, and thinking, okay, I'm gonna get. So I got those clothes out. I put them on. Went up in the stand and sat there all day and didn't even. There, I missed wow. on a few different does just because I didn't want to scare any bucks away. Right. right. Never saw one. And I, I want to go through a study because I honestly <laughs> think that there's some kind of stank I have. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, I went out bow season and I got a, I got a doe like super early, like yeah, first yeah. or second time out, and then I kind of like you know put, put it put it on the shelf for a bit, and it was uh, the last day of bow season. And I wasn't going to go gun gun hunting. I was like, I'm, I'm going just bow. And um, so I, I said to my wife, I'm going to go out. And I said, I'm only going for buck. I have no right. desire to get another. Du- I have plenty of meat. I, I want a buck, buck only. And I'm just going to go and enjoy the day. It's a beautiful day. So I go yeah. out there and I'm in my stand. I get up there and sun starts coming up and I'm not in there. I bet sun comes up. I'm not there five minutes i see this little deer kind of coming out of the the wood line and i'm like yeah. oh, i'm like look at this cute little deer you know and i, I never do this i'm like i'm gonna video this because i just never get to like <laughs> just i never get to just enjoy nature you know yeah like i'm always looking for the deer so i take out my camera and i'm like filming it and i'm like look at this cute little deer and they start getting a little close i'm like that deer doesn't look so little yeah it gets a little close i'm like oh shit that thing's actually pretty big and i'm like oh oh shit i think that's a buck I start fumbling my phone, right? Can't, I can and I can see him can't, doing this. Can't can't get to my bow, and as I'm fucking fumbling shit all, all over, it walks right into my shooting lane. I mean, like oh, no. perfect broadside shot, and just keeps on walking, and I never get the shot. I never even get my oh. bow in my hand. I said, "That is it. That is the last time that will ever happen." I need binoculars, and so. <laughs> Uh, I got myself a pair of Vortex Diamondback 10 by 42 binos. Thank yep, you. I've got the same ones. And uh, you have them too? Yeah. Yep. And so uh, right off the bat, so I've never used these. I, I got the them last case year. is sweet. Yeah, wow. I, I got these things uh, last winter after the season in anticipation of this year. After you missed this buck. After, it, this is the reason, 100%. And so these things go between, you can get them right now between 220 and 250. Um, Keith has them up on the big screen here for 300, but you can get That's them. That's directly from their website. Yeah, you can get them 220 to 250, no problem. All these covers come with it? All the covers? All the covers? covers come with it. The neck strap comes with it. It comes with a beautiful case. comes with a lens cleaning cloth. Uh, lifetime warranty on it. I mean, Vortex is known for their their warranty. You, you know, I have, I mean, I wear glasses. So like, yeah. am I supposed to be wearing glasses or should I be taking these off? That's a like, great question. I think, I think you wear glasses. I think you would just adjust the, um, you would just adjust the focus. Overall, I mean, I've just kind of went outside and like, you know, bird watched or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I think the glass is great. Um, Keith, I was actually testing them out today and I was looking from my house through the woods to your house. Ooh, and what'd you, you see? I, you had your garbage cans out uh-huh. and I could read the side of the garbage can from my, my window. Okay. So, I mean, they're, they're pretty, pretty good. Well, you can't see my bedroom window from your I, house. I, so. I, <laughs> I did feel a little creeper. I was like in the window. I was like, hope no, hope no one sees me. <laughs> now, the one thing I, I don't love about this particular model from Vortex is um, it is made in China, but 
I, you know, the, listen, that's the world we live in. And I was not going to go spend more than a couple hundred bucks on these because I really use them once or twice a year. And I do believe uh, my experience with Vortex, everything I've read, everyone I've talked to, that they do have very good quality control. And I feel like that's the thing people forget about with the whole China thing. Forget about, you know, obviously buying Americans, great. But if you are going to buy from Asia, uh, there's companies that do good quality control and make sure the products that come over are good, you know, good to go. And then there's companies that have poor quality control. And I think that that's sort of the big difference between <clears throat> when you're buying stuff that's made in China. Can I, can I drop a public service announcement Go. that goes along with that? Yeah. <laughs> if you are out there and you're talking to someone and they say, oh, well, you know, I just got my wife a Volkswagen Passat, blah, 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 blah. And you go, oh, daggum kraut car. I got a Ford. <laughs> Guess what? That Passat's made in Chattanooga, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> and that Ford is made in Mexico. Yep. So, so before you start bitching about what's American made and what's not, Really dig and find out where everything is. Shit, okay, some, to some Toyotas <laughs> and stuff are made in America these days. Yeah, oh, yeah. a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. BMW's well, got a plant in Alabama, North, North Carolina. Yeah. yeah, I mean the big thing really is that I, I think it's just because China just is China. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, if yeah. you say you bought something from the Philippines, people are like, okay. But you say you buy something from China, it's like, yeah, but it's China. You know, I think that's the bigger problem. Um, just with them, with them, with, with them taking, you know, intellectual property and they, they're just not, they don't have really the best uh, track record. Go to shot show one time and you'll see all the intellectual truck property ripoffs happening. Yeah. I mean, they just, they line up at the booths and they're taking pictures of every single aspect of all these guns. It's crazy. You know, uh, and going back to these binoculars here, the, the pictures online are deceptive. Like they're actually pretty good size binoculars. Yeah. They, I, I would agree with that. When I first got them, I, I thought they were going to be small. I didn't want really big, Yeah, but I didn't want really small. And I would say they're actually just the right size. For yeah, for like a hunting application, what do you think? They're Dave? They're, they're about what two hand lengths? Like, uh, yeah, I, not maybe not quite not, quite, not quite that wide. Yeah, uh, their actual specifications here are their width are just over five inches wide and a little over five and a half inches tall, and um, <clears throat> they weigh twenty one ounces. Yeah, I would say. I mean. Obviously, everyone's hands are different. It's about one and a half. One, yeah, one and a half. I would say lengthwise. Yeah. yeah, and um, the only thing I do want to get for these, I want to get like a um, uh, like a chest harness that I can keep them in and keep like my call in and that kind of stuff. And that's that's kind of the uh, the plan I I'd like to do is run it on my chest and just have them ready to go so I can not screw up like I did last year. But uh, yeah, you know, I'll definitely report back after I use them for the season. But uh, Zeke, it sounds like you've used them and you're happy with them. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't used them hunting yet, um, but I've used them, you know, just going out to ranges and going yeah. in the woods. And like you said, bird watching. I'm not a big avid bird watcher. Me either. I was kind of joking. something cool, you know, you're like, oh, wow, there's a red-tailed hawk in my back. Yep. Yep. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, I got them for hunting and have not used them for hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I've I taken mean, them, but I just hadn't used them. I got to say, though, for that price point, I mean, I was very impressed with the glass. I, yeah. I have nothing to really compare it to, but they, they, they are a, very. Uh, they have very a, hardened, a hardened coating on them, I was reading too. Yeah. yeah. Vortex does amazing stuff. I mean, I mean they really them, do. They're, they're beefy. It's, yeah. They're oh, yeah. On them. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Zeke, why don't yeah. you uh, close us out, man? What do you got for us? Um, so the two things, one is the innovation. Uh, if anybody goes and from this show and watches master of arms, you'll see that I was about 315 pounds when we filmed that show. Uh, I have lost a lot of weight and my gut is still there, but it's shrunk. So I just recently, a few months ago, started appendix carrying. Okay. And I was using the same Kydex holster I used on my hip and it just, it, it would still print a little bit. Like if you've got a six pack, you can appendix carry pretty easy and not worry about printing. When you got a little bit of a pooch down there, it pushes the handle of the gun out. So you print pretty heavily. Right. But I know that from the trainings I've done, the appendix carry is a more efficient draw stroke. So, um, and it's a little more comfortable if you do it right, even just walking around and carrying it. But I've been trying to find something to help with printing. Well, a lot of these appendix holsters now have this little lever that's off to the side. The wing. And what it, what's that? Like the wing. Yeah, the little wing thing. Uh, it almost looks like a, a lever you can pull down or push. It's You can. It's stationary. But what it does is it pushes against your belt. And that then pushes the gun closer to your body. And I saw it and I read about it on an ad. And I'm like, that's not going to do that much. And I, I went to uh, Tolster, Toolster, or however you say it. Tolster, yeah. Tolster. And, and I bought their appendix carry holster for my macro. And sure enough between the kydex hip holster that i was using to the kydex appendix carry holster with that little lever dude night and day uh, yeah. like if i put the old one on with the t-shirt you're like okay that guy's carrying but putting this holster on with that little lever that pushes against the belt you can't tell so that that's the innovation side that i wanted to talk about for gear review of stuff that i use all the time that I, at first, I got this for the coolness factor. I've always wanted to out the front knife, you know, like the Benchmade Infidel or anything like that. Yep. Um, or Microtech knives, all those different things. But they've always been so expensive. <clears throat> and I just, I can't just, the most expensive knife I own uh, is probably one of my Spydercos, the Manix XL. Uh, and I love that thing. But there's still a part of me that's like, oh, God, you know, it's something that I use all day, every day a lot. I don't want to leave it on a counter somewhere and lose 250 bucks or whatever. Right. Well, I was in Texas at, at a range in Dallas, actually Jarrah Hutchins. Uh, if y'all know clearing the chamber, Jarrah, yeah. uh, she took me to this range. I went down there to meet up with her and they had a pretty cool knife selection and they had this company called Templar blades, uh, like Knights Templar. Uh, and they're out of Texas and they make a really cool, you can probably hear it you know, the, the adult fidget spinner front <laughs> blade. <clears throat> and I was like, Oh, that's cool. And it was, I want to say it was like 150 bucks. It was less than 200 bucks for an out the front. I was like, okay. And the coatings really nice on it. <clears throat> and I got it. Well, the more it's a little heavier. Cause a lot of these out the fronts are heavier cause there's machinery inside of them, springs and all that. Um, but I didn't carry it much. Well, I've started carrying it over the last year, a lot more. And today, because I, I just recently moved, so I was carrying boxes in one hand, and then I had to cut soap and open with my right hand. Well, it's kind of hard to do unless you have something like a Spyderco with that little flip open hole or something like this. But then once you get it open with a, a flip open, you've got to put whatever down to to 
flip it back closed because it's not really something you can do with one hand a lot of times. You got to unlock it and then mm-hmm. flip it back down and to be safe with it. Well, I realized with these out the front knives, it's just you flick it out, you cut open whatever you got to cut open, you flick it back all with one hand, <laughs> shove it back in your pocket. And I'm like, that I use this thing like crazy just <laughs> for that reason. The, the, the simple ease of use. And the funny thing to me is there's so many states that still ban these and call them switchblades, which <laughs> technically that's what it is. We're, we're sitting in one right now. <laughs> right. It, it, and it's like, it's bizarre to me. What about this blade flicking out quick makes it more deadly than a Spyderco that I can flip up just as fast? Yeah, it's crazy. Or how, about a fi- how about a fixed blade that's just there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's... Some blade laws, I think, blow my mind even worse than gun laws. Uh, yeah, you know, gun laws blow my mind because it's it's a it's a constitutional right, you know, right to bear arms, which technically a blade isn't is arms too. Um, but but like these rules, oh well, anything below five inches is okay, but if you go five and an inch, five and a half inches, oh, that's horrible and it's <laughs> evil and you're. Uh, Wait, what? <laughs> you know, I've heard of people dying in, in, in jails from shivs that are like half an inch long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're telling me that my, my blade can't be longer than X amount of inches. That's that's bizarre to me. Yeah. Well, yeah. a lot of this stuff doesn't really make sense. And, uh, you know, to, to your to your point, uh, if you applied logic, a lot of the laws would just go away. But they're definitely not applying logic. So no, and and the older I get, the more I think, okay, the reason people want us disarmed is because they're about to do something we would shoot them for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Zeke, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show and hanging out with us. It was uh, yeah, re- absolutely. It's been fun. Yeah, it was really interesting to hear about your background and your time on Master of Arms. I, I personally love what you guys are doing over at MGS Trade School and utilizing the internet to teach a skill set that could easily die out in my opinion if not preserved is super important and gun enthusiasts are lucky to have that option so thank you so much to everyone listening we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show you can find links in the show notes to all of our social media so be sure to follow us on instagram twitter and discord so we can keep the conversation going